Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they laid there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is making all things new. Well, this week, um, this week I said goodbye to my brother. He wasn't really my brother, at least not. uh, We don't share the same DNA. We don't share the same family, the same culture. Our first languages were not even the same, but I always called him brother because that's who he was to me. Uh, Renee, uh, Renee served on our church staff for 15 years, longer than I've been at this church. And he served on our facilities team uh, beautifully. He uh, made this property, whether outside, inside a, a hub, a place where ministry could flourish and happen. And he did it so faithfully for 15 years. He did his job well. He worked hard, but that's not really the whole story. You see to Renee, everything he did was ministry. Uh, Everything he did in this building was ministry. Everything that he did in his life was ministry. Even when he wasn't working, he was finding a way to serve others. He had a huge, huge heart. And I don't really remember when it started, but at some point I just started referring to him as mi hermano, my my brother. And I think it was just some acknowledgement that there was a connection that he and I had that were was bigger. It was bigger than our blood or our DNA or our culture, that we were brothers in Christ and we were serving the same Lord and that we, we loved each other deeply. And so I, I literally, for as long as I can remember, I never called him Renee. He was always hermano, my brother, my brother. And on Saturday afternoon, April 9th, uh, the day before our Palm Sunday service, Renee passed away suddenly uh, from a heart attack. I shared in our services two weeks ago on Palm Sunday uh, that I was absolutely heartbroken, was crushed, and I'm going to be honest, I I feel that way today still. Uh, In this room on Tuesday evening, uh, I got to be a part, I got the privilege of being a part of honoring the life of this man, a good man, a faithful servant, a faithful friend, a model for what it means to be a man of God. There are questions, questions that I've been feeling, and I'm still feeling today, questions that I have uh, about losing someone who's so good, so young, so suddenly. But if what I'm about to share with you today is not true, if the words that I'm going to share with you today are not true, then all we have today, all we have today are good memories of a man who served others, a good man who made a difference, And that's all it is. 
If what I'm about to share with you today is not true, that's all we have. He lives and he dies and we grieve and we mourn. End of story. See, today's message matters. It matters because it matters all the time, but it matters today, right now, because today some of you are grieving too. Maybe something else, someone else in your life, some circumstances in your life that feel dead. And you're grieving and you're brokenhearted and the circumstances that leave you with so many more questions and you don't have the answers either. Maybe the circumstances over the last week or the last month or years, it's just too much and you wonder, you wonder, maybe out loud, but certainly in your heart, is this really all there is? Today we close out a series. The series is all about new because the truth is we need something new. We need something new. Everything happening in our world right now has us broken and fleeting. We need something new, not not just a temporary fix, not just like a 2.0. We need transformation in our lives. And the good news, this is good news today, is that our God is the God of new. He's the God of all things new. That's how we read how it will end. We read the end of the story, and there's a promise Right? We just heard about it in the video that the, it, all things will be made new. This is the God that we serve. And that's good news because without it, we would have no hope. We would have no hope. Uh, what I'm about to share with you is true. It is truth. This is not my idea. It's not my opinion. It's not just a, an emotional thing that I came up with. The truth is today, this world in which we live, the things happening around us is not all there is. And today's God's word has something powerful for you to experience. Hope. Living hope. So today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to invite you to turn there. It's uh, toward the back of your New Testament. If you have your copy of scripture, we have a version event set up. In the, if you're a Bible app user, we have an event set up there where you can follow along. But we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you're familiar at all with scripture, you know Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus. He had a front row seat for the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, and something, we know a lot about Peter's life. We see lots of stories. We see some ups and some downs, some mountaintops and some valleys. We see Peter walking on water, right? Right? We see him witness miracle after miracle, but then we see him deny Jesus three times. We see when times get tough, when Jesus is being crucified, Peter, Peter ran away. He's nowhere to be found. So here's somebody that, that saw some really amazing, he saw the mountaintops, but then, man, he experienced the valleys too, didn't he? But following the death and resurrection of Christ, Peter, Peter is transformed, and he becomes one of the most powerful leaders in the early church, and he writes these words now that we're going to read in First Peter, and he's sharing with to believers facing persecution, believers facing hard times, believers who felt hopeless. That's who he's writing to. So I'm going to invite you, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and if you're able, would you stand this morning? We're just going to change our posture a little bit as we read God's word. Uh, This is God's word, it's not my word. These are his thoughts, they're not my thoughts. So let's turn our hearts and mind on these words. 1 Peter 1, we're going to be reading verses 3 through 9. This is the word of the Lord for us today. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth, into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, verse 6 says, in all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you'll have to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The title of today's message is The New Hope, Living Hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that hope is in the room and hope is alive because his name is Jesus. And today we have nothing to proclaim. We have nothing to offer apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to proclaim. We have no hope at all apart from the hope found in you and your words. So come and speak and move in our hearts. Fall fresh on us. We just sang those words. May it be true now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you sit, turn around to somebody and say, living hope, living hope. And then you can have a seat. Living hope, right? Living hope. That's good. For some of you, that's the first time somebody got to hear your voice sitting next to you. That's good. Living hope. Our series today is based on that premise. It's the premise that God desires to do something new in you. And last week, we celebrated new life, new life because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now, now we go to part two of that message really from last week as we talk about a new hope. Peter specifically says a living hope. And so here's what I want to do. I want to break down uh, what this idea of living hope means. What does that really mean? And I want to do it. I want to go back through the scripture. So if you still have it there in front of you, I want to go back through the scripture and look at kind of the particular, what is living hope all about? And I'm going to look at it in three sections according to this text. So look again, verse three and four, look again what it says. This is going to tell us something really critical about the living hope, the living hope. That God's word proclaims. Uh, Verse 3, again, what does it say? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. That was Easter, right? We celebrated new life in Christ. Some of you in the room, you made the decision to receive new life in Christ. We celebrate that today. But he goes on, right? He goes on to say he's given us this new birth into what? Into a living hope. Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to know, church family, today, that living hope is, first of all, it is purchased. It is purchased. I want you to understand that because I want you to understand the root, the source of the hope that we're talking about. The source of the hope we're talking about is not really us. It's not really in what we can do and what we can accomplish and the things that we possess. No, this living hope was purchased. Purchased by who? Purchased by Jesus. There's a direct connection here between the resurrection of Jesus and the availability of hope. Here's what Peter is saying. No resurrection, no hope. The opposite is also true, right? Resurrection, living hope. That's what he's saying. So this hope has been purchased for you by Jesus. This is not just some abstract idea of hope. 
right? No, this is not just something that appears out of thin air. This is not just an emotional feeling that we get after a song is played. No, this is a real thing. It's made possible. It's been purchased by Jesus. The work has already been done because of Jesus' death on the cross and him being raised to new life. It's only possible because of the literal resurrection of Jesus. So what does it say in verse 3 and 4? This is real hope given by Jesus through our new birth, possible through his resurrection. And this is living hope. Listen, it can't die. It's alive. It's alive. This is living hope. It's been purchased for you and for me, for anyone who would put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope today. But next, it gets better, right? Look at verse 4 and 5. It goes on. And so after that kind of explaining, understanding that living hope has been purchased for us, it goes on to say this, and into an inheritance. We've been given birth into living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So next, what does Peter want us to know about living hope? He wants us to know that living hope is present and future. Present and future. This is so important, church. This is so important that we know first, first living hope has been purchased. It's been purchased for you and for me. But next, that this is a present and future reality. We can have hope now because of Christ. That's what Peter's saying. And again, he's speaking to people that are facing incredibly difficult days. That we can have hope today. And at the same time, what does it say? Look back at the scripture. That there's an inheritance that will never fade away. Just a few days ago, my brother Rene breathed his last breath. And that was heartbreaking to us. That was overwhelming to me. But now, today, he's experiencing his eternal inheritance. Right now, he's experiencing the reality of hope. Not just the promise of hope. Not just hope that he held on to, but he did. He held on to hope now, today, but now he is experiencing the embodiment of hope. We grieve for him, but today he's not grieving so much because he's up experiencing the reality of hope in the presence of Jesus. And here's the the challenge that we have. Here's the tension I want to acknowledge that we often have as believers. We feel this tension. We speak about today having hope, and we speak about the promise of hope for eternity. And sometimes, as believers, we feel like we have to pick one. We feel like, we feel like we we have to decide that we either long for the hope that we will experience one day and believe that our mission now is to just suffer through, get through it. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be hard, but I've got hope one day. Or, or we make all of the focus about hope today and we lose sight of the hope that is ours for eternity. And what Paul is saying here, you don't have to pick. We can have hope today and at the same time know that there's an ultimate hope that we are promised. Reading through 1 Peter had me thinking about Christmas. I know, I know it's weird, but I was thinking about that. My kids love to get gifts at Christmas. Some of you are looking around like you do too, you know, right? Some of us get a little older, but we still like to get gifts at Christmas. My kids love getting gifts at Christmas. I like getting them too. It's kind of fun, right? So they love that. And, and listen, 
there's no doubt in my kids' minds that they're going to get a gift. I mean, when Christmas comes, they don't have to like, ooh, I wonder if this is the year. We, they know. They know a gift is coming for them. They don't always know what, right? But they know a gift is coming for them. And they'll be excited, but, but here's the deal. They have hope. They have hope that the gift is coming, but, but they have this hope even during the Christmas season that they have this guarantee. They know. They know what's happening. They, that's what hope is. It, it's this idea of living now in the reality of hope and, and at the same time living as if there's a guarantee. Living now in this promise, oh, Christmas is coming and there's a gift coming, and, but not living as if it's some abstract idea or I wonder if this is going to... No, living in the promise, the guarantee, the assurance that's what hope is, is that we can live with hope now and at the same time have a guarantee. It's not up for debate. It's not a, if this will happen, I wonder if this will happen. I know my hope is a certainty. That's what Peter is pointing us to. The guarantee, the guarantee of living today now with hope. Next, he says this in verse six. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. If you don't feel like rejoicing after reading those verses, go back and read it again. This is good news. I know there's not a lot of good news you can read a lot of places today. This is really good news if you're in Christ today. That's what Peter's saying. We rejoice in this. We rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you'll have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That felt like me on Tuesday night. Some grief. Some trial. But verse 7 says this, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your soul. So what is this about? What, what else is he trying to say about living hope? He's trying to tell us that living hope is powerful. Living hope is powerful. Go back and read. L- listen, the power of hope. Hope, this kind of hope does something in us. We can have joy in our suffering. Isn't that crazy that on Tuesday night, as many of us in church family gathered and we grieved and we cried, yet even in our grief, there was joy. Why? Because there was a living hope in the room. There was a living hope that far outweighed death or the temporary trappings of this life. There was joy even in our suffering. That's what Peter is saying. Living hope does. There is joy in our suffering. There is strengthening and growing of our faith. We're refined. That's not a fun picture sometimes because being refined, it revolves some heat, right? You got to heat things up in order to be refined. But that's, that's what Peter is saying. It produces something in us. Living hope does that. Gives us vision for our future. The ultimate salvation that will be revealed. There's power today power today in the living hope that's available to you and me. We don't have to look very far to imagine a world without hope, do we? <laughs> we don't have to spend a long time wondering, I wonder what that world would look like. We just, we just look at our world. As we kicked off the series uh, at the beginning of April, um, I, I, I was talking to one of our leaders and 
um, they were just kind of reflecting and, and saying, yeah, the, the message from the world today, the message from the world surrounding us is there is no hope. That's the message we hear every day. That's the message we see. That's the message that's being, there is no hope. And really the premise of this series, the reason that we, one of the most important times of the church year, the reason we would spend four weeks on this topic is because I just sensed how scary it is, how scary it is living in a world that seems hopeless. How scary it is and how important it is for us as believers to understand what God's word says, what God's word promises for us today. Maybe, maybe the very real temptation that we face, maybe one of the greatest temptations that we face is to believe the lie that we don't have hope. I remember, I remember a very specific week during uh, the pandemic I remember, uh, that was, I, last week, if you were here, I talked about certain words that might define this season of life that we've been in, and you can decide how long that season is, but I just asked people, share a word that describes how you're feeling in these days, and there were all kinds of words, overwhelming, uh, anxious, numb. The word I, I keep using is disorienting. I don't, I don't know, it's a big word for me, but that's the word, that's how I feel, it's just disorienting. It doesn't feel, nothing feels normal. I couldn't get my bearings. It was just everything felt disorienting. And I was thinking this week, I was thinking this week about a specific moment. I know where I was. I know what I was wearing. I know what I was doing, where I was sitting, what time of day it was. But I remember that specific moment. The, the pandemic was raging. People were getting sick. Some people were dying. The level of political tension was palpable. Racial tension was real. And all of it was breaking my heart. Just breaking my heart. And then I remember this 24-hour time period. I I got two separate emails from individuals uh, who were leaving our church because they didn't agree with the decisions we made in response to COVID. And I remember where I was, where I was sitting And I got that email, and I just, I remember just that moment. I can picture it right now. I was sitting in my basement. That was my home office, I guess. I didn't have a better spot, right? That's that's where I was. But I remember that feeling. And in that moment, I remember that moment because I remember the very real temptation. It's never felt more tempting in my life to believe the lie that, Adrian, you have no hope. Adrian, you you can't survive this. This is too much for you. I remember the feeling of that moment. Have you ever been there? In that moment, I felt hopeless. I did. How about you? When was your moment? Maybe uh, your moment feels like now. I think for each of us in our story, there's a moment like that. I'm not prophesying that over your life, but all of us come to a moment, maybe many moments in our life where we feel like that, where the lie of the enemy is so loud in our ear and he's screaming to us, you have no hope. You are hopeless. But what if today whether that's you today, whether that's a a moment that doesn't feel that far in your past. But what if today God wants to bring you new hope? 
not last year's hope, not last week's. I liked, I liked last week's hope. That was really good on Easter. But what if, what if God today, right now in this moment, wants to give you new hope, living hope, living hope? It's not based on the what's happening around you. It's not based on what you can do or not do, the decisions that you've made or haven't made. It's not based on last week's hope or last year's hope. It's hope that is alive. It's hope that's on the move, living hope today. I've realized one of the biggest battles that we face is the battle in our mind. And and we focused, before we went into a long series on James last fall, we spent four weeks talking about that, the battle in our mind and how how often transformation begins, not in our heart and not in our action, but in our mind. That's biblical. That's what it says in Romans. But I've been thinking about that. The biggest battle that we often face is in our minds. You may say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Here's the truth. If you and I can become so fixated If we can become so fixated on what's happening around us, the circumstances, the conflicts, if all that matters to us is what we can touch and what we can hold and what we can accumulate and what we can possess, if that's all that matters to us, then today you you are hopeless. You are hopeless. If that's all that matters, if that's all that you value, then it's no wonder. It's no wonder we're living in a world that's saying there is no hope. Because if that's all that you have, you are hopeless. You are. When those things become unstable, when those things fade, when those things fail, and they will, you have no hope. I'm not suggesting today that what we see doesn't matter. I'm just simply suggesting it can't be all that matters. And that's why I think this battle for hope begins in our minds. Because it begins by us stepping back and acknowledging that life for me, my life cannot only be defined by trophies on the mantle or the balance in the bank account. It can't be defined by the degrees or the accolades hanging on my wall. It can't be defined by the praise of my peers because if that's all life is for you, then you are living without hope today, right now. If that sounds harsh, it's because I care about you and I want you to know the truth. New life. New life in Christ comes through faith. That's what we talked about last week. That's what the, uh, First Peter declares, that new life is available to us. A new birth in Christ is available, what? Through faith. Through faith. Faith in what Christ has done for you and for me. Faith in his work on the cross. Not faith in my work, right? Faith in his work on the cross. Faith in his resurrection, conquering death and new life. It takes faith. And why do I remind you of that? Because hope, true hope, Living hope, I believe, requires faith also. It requires faith. Peter is is appealing to believers in the midst of storm, believers that are grieving and mourning, believers that are scared to death. He's saying there is living hope available, not because of what you have done, not because of what you can accomplish. Living hope is possible. It's not tied to everything that you see around you. Living hope is possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for you already. It's been purchased for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is a present tense reality and a future, a future reality in his power. It is power that can change your life now. 
I wrote this truth up on the screen. I think it's really good. In Christ, you don't, you don't strive for hope. You rest in it. I wonder how that feels today. The truth that you don't have to strive for hope because we, we strive for all kinds of things, don't we? We're exhausted chasing after the next thing. But this is not today. This is not some dangling carrot that you have to chase after. This is something, if you're in Christ, faith in Christ, a relationship in Christ, you can rest in real hope, in living hope. That's true. Some of us today are desperate. We're desperate for hope. We're trying to find it anyway. We're trying to manufacture it or discover it or buy it. And in the end, that's not really hope at all. It's not lasting. It doesn't really, doesn't really help us, does it? But today, Jesus offers you living hope. If you spent any time around our church, uh, you know we have a mission statement. We talk about hope all the time because we think it's critical. You can't read the gospel story without understanding how critical hope is. And we think it's critical today. We think to live and be a believer in Christ in the year 2022, you got you to know about hope. You have to. It changes how we live now. In, in our mission, we articulate it this way, that we're transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. Some of you are so sick of hearing it. That means we finally said it enough. Our mission, that's how we define our mission. And here's the beautiful thing about hope. Living hope, you always give it away. It's really cool. It's like this treasure that you find, and maybe for some of you, your eyes are being opened for the first time, and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that that was possible for me, but here's what's so good about this hope. This hope is so good. It's so good that you can't keep it for yourself. In fact, that's how we articulate our mission. We believe that God transforms us so much that he gives us, imparts to us, living hope in such a powerful way that we can't help but share it with other people. We can't help but see people around us that are hopeless. We can't help but care about people in our communities and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and on our campuses. We, we have to care about them because we want them to have what we have, living hope. We see the news. We know what it's like to feel hopeless, and we don't ever want them to experience a day like that. So that's why we have to share hope with others. We have to. We can't just gather here and make it about us. We have, we have to open our eyes and say, God, who else needs hope? And as you open your eyes, God starts to show you very quickly a world surrounding you that desperately needs living hope. Living hope. My friend Renee, um, he loved to share hope. <laughs> Mi hermano Renee, he loved to share hope. Uh, he always did it. He shared with me about his life. His life was not easy. He grew up uh, in Puerto Rico and, and had some challenges in his family. He was in and out of foster care. And as early as age 15, he told me a story once. As early as age 15, he was living on and off the streets. Even there was a time and a season when he moved to the States, he was living in his car. He experienced brokenness in his family. He experienced uh, broken circumstances. I knew there were times in his life where he felt hopeless. He told me so. But, but see, Rene was transformed by Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that he never had a hard day. It doesn't mean that there weren't still times that felt overwhelming to him. But he was transformed by Christ. He experienced new life in Christ Jesus. And things didn't just one day improve for him, but, but even in his difficult days, he had hope. And here's the thing about Rene. He was desperate to share hope 
with others any way he could. On his free time, he would cook meals. And if you ever had a a Renee cooked meal, it was a good meal. He would cook meals. He would just drive around town looking for people that were hungry, looking for people that were lonely. Why did he do that? He did that because he was so desperate to share the hope that he had. When he passed away, uh, his truck was parked right outside of his townhouse. And taped to the windows of his truck was invitations to Easter service at our church in English and Spanish. Why did he do that? He was so desperate to share hope with others, the hope that he had experienced. Today, I think there are two kinds of people in the room today. There's a group of us that we just desperately need hope. And I don't know your story and I don't have to know it all, but God does and he sees you today. And you, you resonate. Maybe with my story, your story is different, but you resonate with that moment, that very real feeling of feeling hopeless. And today you're desperate for this word to be true in your life. You need hope. And there's another group today. You have experienced the power of living hope. And today, right now, you want to commit and say, God, I don't, I don't want there to ever be a day. I don't ever want there to be a day in the life of my family or my neighbor or my coworker where they don't experience that too. You're desperate for people around you to experience the living hope that you have. I'm going to invite you to do something now. I want you to close your eyes with me and bow your heads. We're going to end today really different on purpose There's no song. (laughs) There's no closing uh, song or anything like that. And some of you are like, well, that's weird. No, it's not. This is very intentional because today I felt like the most important thing we could do would be what we would do here for the next couple minutes. So relax. (laughs) Exhale. But today I just felt in my heart that some of us needed to pray. I just, I just believed as I was, I don't know what hangs in the balance for you, but I just think for someone in the room today, you are so desperate or so overwhelmed or so seemingly hopeless that the God of the universe loves you enough that on this day, April 24th, 2022, we would declare God's truth over your life that there is hope for you in Christ Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite every person in the room to just bow your heads. I want you to pray. But today, if you know, if you know, if you're desperate today for living hope, if you know that you've been relying a little too much on what you can see and a little too much on what you can feel, a little too much on what you can accomplish in your life and, and you feel yourself dangerously close to the edge of hopelessness, I want to invite you to have the courage right now to just stand to your feet. You don't need to come forward. You don't have to say anything. I just, I just want to invite you to have the courage right now. You feel hopeless. Your circumstances say there is no hope. But, but you're not standing today on your circumstances. You're standing today on the power of God's word, of his truth. If you're watching online, put your name there in the chat. In faith, you're saying, this is me. This is my prayer. I'm going to wait another minute because I think there's others. If that's you today, this isn't for other people. But this is just you standing before the Lord saying, Lord, I am desperate for hope. I'm desperate for living hope. If that's, we're going to pray for you, but, but I'm just going to give you another moment, if that's you, to stand. This is between you and the Lord. Now, church family, 
We're going to pray. There's some people standing in the room today, and we don't know their story. That's not our business, is it? This is between them and the Lord. But today, if you're not standing on your feet, you have a very specific job in the next 60 seconds. I want you to pray. Because if you're not standing right now, I I, I hope and believe that's because you have living hope. Because God is, is resurrecting new life and new hope in your life. And if that's true today, then you and I have a very important job. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our brothers and sisters that are standing. We're, we're going to pray that they wouldn't feel alone. We're going to pray that they wouldn't have to, to settle for anything less than God's truth in their life. So right now, if you're still seated around this auditorium, come on, we're going to pray. God, through the power of your word, through the power of your spirit that is alive today, we beg and we plead that you would come and intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters that are standing today. We don't know their story, but God, you see their hearts, and today they're honest before you. They're laid bare before you, and they're standing. Yes, they might be standing on their strength, but today they're standing on the promise of your word and what you say is true. Their past has been filled with moments of trying to manufacture hope on their own, but today they stand and they declare God, I need living hope, your hope. It's available through faith in Jesus Christ and what you've already done for me on the cross, that you are a God that is alive today. You overcame death. There's nothing in my life today that's too hard. And so we pray now for our brothers and sisters that they would know they are never alone. There's great hope today for them because of what you've done for them and because they're surrounded today by people that love them that are cheering them on, that are here for them, that are saying, yeah, yeah, there is hope. There is hope. Don't give up. There is hope. Today, may your living hope be their reality in Jesus' name. We're going to continue to pray, and thanks for those that are standing. You can have a seat. There's another group of us today, though. As I share about my brother, Renee, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit convicted. I wonder how desperate I am, how hungry I am to bring hope to others. So there's another group in the room today. We're not done praying. Today, you know that God is challenging your heart. You know today that God is inviting you to a new level of desperation for him, a a new level of hunger and thirst for him to share hope with others. And so today, as we're talking about hope, if you know today that God is challenging you in a new way to bring hope to someone, if you know somebody in your life that is hopeless and you will respond today to say, God, I want to bring your hope. However I can, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray one more time. There's no pressure. This is not a performance. This is prayer. This is real. This is just a a response between us and the Father. And if that's you today, like my friend Renee, you say, man, whatever I can do, I want to share the hope I have with others. There's desperate people around me. If that's you, would you stand? And now we're going to pray for you. God, we stand today believing that you can use us. That seems crazy to us at times. Who are we? What, What could we do? But today, you've given us hope, and now, and now, Father, we want to bring hope to others. We don't know how that's gonna look, and it's not really about us. It's not really about what we do. It's you working through us, but we are saying, God, here I am. Here I am. Use me. Send me. Commission me, God, to bring hope to people. Open my eyes to see people that are hurting around me and show me what I can do, not to bring my version of hope, 
but your living hope into those lives. We believe right now, God, we don't understand it, but we believe in faith because, because of the prayers that are being prayed, people are going to know you. People are going to experience you. People that thought their relationships were dead. They thought their life was over. They thought they, w- they had no future. Today, as we pray, we believe, we believe that you're going to work through us to bring hope. There's going to be people gathered in this room somewhere down the future because of the prayers we're praying now. That's the confidence we have as we pray, God. We want to be people that are transformed by you so we can bring hope to others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.